Hello, hello, Mediaverse members, and welcome to Mediaverse Unwrapped, where we bring our non-toxic Facebook community of Marvel fans to life. I'm your host, Max Taff, and I'm joined by the Ravona to my Kang, Megan Spangler. Hello, you variant fuckers. <laughs> On today's episode, we're breaking down what happened during the second episode of Loki Season 2, reading comments from our members of Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped, getting into the nitty-gritty of the behind-the-scenes drama of Secret Invasion, and so, so much more. Let's dive in. Let's go. All right, well, happy Loki-tober, everyone, and thank you for watching along with us every week as we break down every new episode of Loki Season 2. We are so excited for today's episode because Episode 2 was so incredible. And it is a spoiler alert if you have not seen Episode 2. Or just let us spoil it for you. Yeah, that's true, too. Just let us spoil yeah. it for you. That's a better yeah. idea. Yeah. But episode two of season two starts by taking us back to the premiere of the fictional movie Zaniac in London 1977 on the sacred timeline. Loki Mobius, played by Owen Wilson, and Hunter B-15, played by Wunmi Mosaku, track down the location of X-5's Tempad, played by Raphael Casal, and hopefully find some answers on where Sylvie is. After seeing her in the future in last week's episode, Loki is more determined than ever to find her. Instead of Sylvie, they find X-5, who has now taken on a new identity as movie star Brad Wolf. During the intro, an epic chase around London ensues. I love that Loki is Mobius's muscle. Loki is so hot in this <laughs> intro, and his magic usage during the lengthy chase scene with X5 is everything I could have wanted and more. Oh my god, he was amazing. He definitely Incredible. had BDE during that entire oh, yes. time. Oh my god. I was like, whew, he was hot. Oh yes. Oh, for sure. I mean, Loki is like a cat toying with a mouse throughout the entire sequence, just like teasing him, like letting him think he's getting ahead. <laughs> but really, I mean, come on, Loki's Loki's Loki. We already know how that was going to end. Of course. X5 says it's not a fair fight because it's not. Even with X5's TVA gadgets out in the real world, Loki is a powerful, magical being. So really, what was he expecting? <laughs> uh, I feel like Loki has a newfound confidence, real confidence, not the fake confidence that he's exuded in earlier film appearances. I feel that Loki has always been a character that boasts about his purpose, but never truly understood where he fit in. Uh, abandoned as a baby, adopted by a father who wasn't great, lived in his brother's shadow, always felt he had to be sneaky and mischievous to get attention. I feel like the TVA and the, and the Sacred Timeline mission finally gave him his actual glorious purpose. The trio capture X5 and bring him into the TVA. Loki, B-15, and Mobius try to get the truth of where Sylvie is, while OB, played by Kihue Kwan, is freaking out about the fate of the temporal loom. X5 tries to manipulate Loki unsuccessfully and then strikes a tender spot with Morbius. Ever since the bomb dropped about all the TVA agents being variants, there's been different reactions to the news. B-15, for example, once happily pruned Loki, is now enlightening other agents to the fact that they are all variants just like him. X-5, however, handled it a bit differently. X-5 decided there's a whole life out there that he could be living, and instead of hunting for Sylvie, he decides to become an actor instead. When captured, he confronts Mobius about this, poking at Mobius's insecurity and saying he has nothing at the TVA and that none of what they do is real. Mobius is, perhaps, the most in denial about the truth. And truthfully this part of the episode didn't make a ton of sense to me because 
unless X5 was going back to like take over his life that he originally led on the sacred timeline, wouldn't him going back and becoming an actor cause a branch? That was something I was like, maybe it's going over my head or something because that didn't sit well with me either. Yeah. I was confused when this episode first started because I was kind of like, where are they? What are they doing? Why is he undercover? Like what's happening? And then all of a sudden, like I kind of got with the program, but then I had to rewatch it a second time to really put things into place. So that was kind of a little, hmm, I did too. We kind of got it in the end. So, (laughs) so, Mobius refuses to think about where he might have been taken from, stubbornly clinging to the TVA and his purpose there as an analyst. Hopefully we get to learn about Mobius's backstory in this season and how he will react to it. Fingers crossed. But this does raise questions about Brad Wolf. Definitely about the timeline, about the branching. Like, you know, was this his his original life all along? Who knows? Interesting question. So a little backstory on Brad Wolf that our amazing moderator Ida pointed out is that he's actually a character from Marvel Comics. He was a character on Earth-616 that Thor encounters. He was an actor who played a serial killer named Zaniac, but eventually became possessed by the real Zaniac. You can see his first encounter with Thor in the Thor comic number 319-319 that was released February 2nd, 1982. In that storyline, Zaniac was actually a swarm of demonic parasites from the dark dimension that's where the big bad from the first doctor strange movie was who possessed the movie star brad wolf the kicker is that wolf was playing a slasher villain named zaniac when it happened and that's where the parasite parasite swarm got his silly name and i think he showed up in like three comics maybe he was very obscure That's crazy. I mean, when they talk about the demonic swarm, it kind of reminds me of Multiverse of Madness when Doctor Strange tames those demons and wears them as a cloak. That kind of reminds me of that. Oh, I didn't think about that. I like that. Mm. Brain blast. Brain blast. Been a while. (laughs) (laughs) We're finally back into the swing of things, getting some new projects. So, Um, but back to the episode, eventually Mobius punches X5 in the face, rightfully so. Triggered by the existential crisis that is his original life on the sacred timeline. And Loki calms him down by getting him some key lime pie from the TVA automat. (laughs) Meanwhile, OB is struggling (laughs) with the temporal loom when he realizes that the blast doors he activated last episode can't be unlocked again without he who remains temporal aura or an override from Miss Minutes. Only Miss Minutes is missing in action and probably working with Ravona Renslayer, played by Gugu Mbatha-Roth. After her allegiance to Kang was revealed in last season's finale, it's uncertain if Miss Minutes would even help them if they found her. So, interesting. Miss Minutes, you shady woman. Thing. Clock. She's a shady bitch. We're going to call it as we see it. Shady bitch. Mm-hmm. One thing that I found interesting about the key lime pie thing was that Mobius was like, oh, I want a key lime pie. But literally, when they walked in, the, every single box at the automat was filled with key lime pie. So there was no other option, which I found odd. I kind of have a theory that the key lime pie is what's making them forget, like brainwashing them. I just I have a weird feeling about it. Oh, Ooh. there was something with Loki that I saw and it showed him like taking a bite of the key lime pie and kind of like going like, mm, and people were like, oh, maybe he thought it was too sour. But if you keep watching the scene like I did. You notice he stops eating the key lime pie and just kind of sticks to the whipped cream. I think he tasted something off in the key lime pie, and that's why he wasn't eating it. But I could be wrong. We'll see. We'll see. Oh how my that goes. god, Max, that's amazing. 
that's yes two brain blasts Thank in you. one episode i'm i am stunned this is incredible Thank you. Thank you. More to come. More to come. Trust me. <laughs> All right. So back in X5 cell, Mobius and Loki come up with a plan. Loki tortured and toyed with X5 while Morbius, I keep saying Morbius, while Mobius pretended to be locked out. <laughs> this ends up working and X5 finally cracks, directing them to the 1982 branch timeline where Sylvie now lives. When they first arrived in 1977 London at the beginning of the episode, Loki's immediate reaction is that the area is too safe sylvie it's not a war zone not an apocalypse it's not her style after he says this it's pretty surprising to see how happy she is in her current life that involves her working at a mcdonald's her current life is the very definition of too safe and a perfect juxtaposition to what loki said earlier in the episode that was interesting while loki and mobius slip into a more comfortable buddy cop dynamic the real angst at the core of this episode is between loki and sylvie 100 mm -hmm. there was there was tension oh yeah tons Tons. Lots of great acting in this episode, too, from everybody. I was really impressed by a lot of it. Once they finally see Sylvie, she is not happy to see Loki at all. Still upset by the events that took place between them in the season one finale, she is unimpressed by his claims that he's seen her at the TVA in the future and refuses to help him. <laughs> There's clearly tension between the two of them, with Loki still believing that the decision to free the timeline will do more evil than good. Mobius correctly deduces that there's a lot to unpack when you're basically in a relationship with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you said it. Unfortunately, there wasn't too much. Mobius comes up with some zingers sometimes. I know. Just out of nowhere. And he says it like in his like such charming like Owen Wilson-y way that it just kind of doesn't hit you right at first. And then later on, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So, unfortunately, there wasn't too much silky action for you shippers out there, but what we did get was pretty powerful. You can feel the push and pull between the two characters, and the chemistry is still top-notch, definitely, I think. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Their, their chemistry, everyone in the show has fantastic chemistry, and those two especially, like, I don't yeah. care if they hate each other, they're friends, they're besties, or they just mm -hmm. want to go bump some uglies it's going to be beautiful either way because they're so <laughs> such great chemistry i know it's you're right you made a really good point everybody's chemistry on the show is so good like hunter b15 and mobius awesome mobius and loki awesome loki and um the new character x5 amazing i love uh the x5 actor he's awesome yeah i really loved his scene mobius and x5 had good chemistry too it makes no sense like how do they do that yeah ah lee really great casting Mm -hmm. really good casting really great acting Absolutely. for sure i love it um <laughs> when mobius finally realizes that x5 knows more than he's letting on sylvie enchants him and reads his mind to find out that dox is planning to bomb all the branching timelines if you guys don't remember dox was one of the judges that was introduced in the last episode uh so she's going nutso on the branching timelines that's for sure it's the lady from game of thrones if you guys remember that Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. She was, a, she was in Game of Thrones. You're right. The weird breastfeeding of a nine-year-old lady. I'm not saying breastfeeding is weird. I'm saying she was She was weird. She was a weird lady. She was weird. Totally yeah. weird. <laughs> so the episode culminates with Sylvie, Loki, and Mobius attacking Dox's base. Sylvie and Loki come together to unleash a powerful pulse of magic that knocks Dox and a majority of her forces out, similar to what we saw last season when they finally hold hands and like blast away Elioth. 
Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it's too late. And a lot of the timeline branches have already been bombed, effectively wiping out billions of lives. Distraught by this, Sylvie is upset that the TVA wasn't able to actually save the people on the timeline, still considering them to be the problem, not the solution. It speaks to the core issue between Sylvie and Loki. Clearly, Sylvie is still angry with Loki about what happened in the finale. She is blinded by her anger and hatred of the TVA, while Loki sees the bigger picture and universal ramifications of their choices. Without He Who Remains running things, really, the fate of the 616 universe rests on their shoulders. Yeah. Pretty nuts. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Definitely. Um, we see Sylvie return to her branch timeline in time for her co-worker to close up the shop for the night. It's peaceful there, but we see in her hand she powers up He Who Remains temp pad. It's obvious that opening the time door with that device somehow led to Loki's time slipping, but it's unclear what else the device can do in the future. Honestly, I took that whole last little scene of her looking and powering up the tempad as her like looking to get back in on the action because you know she's she's a fighter and I knew she wouldn't be happy in this normal life for long. She's been fighting her whole life, so I mean it just makes sense that she'd become restless at a certain point. Yeah, I thought like her taking it was I'll try this normal life until I don't like it anymore. I think she knows that what she's doing isn't sustainable. Because she's mm -hmm. she's Sylvie. She's been running and fighting her entire life, and now you're going to go sell Chicken McNuggets? No. She knows. Yeah. She's fully aware. But that was very surprising. I don't know why it was very surprising, but it was to see her just hanging out, holding it. Because it's like, are you the reason why he's time slipping? Are you, that? But, you, but she doesn't know. Mm. So I was like, what did you do, Sylvie? There ain't no way you've just been sitting here dormant yeah she i mean she's enjoying the simple life for now mm -hmm. i don't see her wanting that forever i don't who does but she's i mean yeah this episode i really really liked it my one thing i think they could have improved on is i think they spent a little too much of the episode with brad i think that could have been used somewhere else like a longer fight scene or something Okay. I see what you're saying. I mean, they definitely did spend a lot of time with him, but I will say some of the most quality moments of this episode were the ones with Brad. Like, I, I feel like the actor is, so, he was so incredible the way he was delivering his lines, going up against like a powerhouse like Tom Hiddleston and just like being able to get in his face like that and push the buttons of the character. I think he did a great job. Um, I really loved Absolutely. his character much better than his introduction last episode. Like last episode, he was annoying. This one, I felt like, okay, like he's actually bringing something to the table here. I really, I really liked that whole dynamic and the whole, the power plays they were making, like when he came in to be interrogated and he thought, oh, you know what? I used to be an agent here. I know what goes on. They're not going to get me. Guess what? Loki gotcha. So. He definitely brought out a side of Loki that we've all been craving to see. We've all wanted yes. that dark and mischievous Loki. And he, he did that. So mm -hmm. thank you, Brad. Thank you, X5. You're, you're a real one for that. Um, yes. Yeah, Loki, I, going back to what you said earlier, you said that he has this confidence. I think there is confidence, but I think it's the confidence of not having to prove himself anymore, that he's trying to do what Ooh. he thinks is best instead of doing, I want to take over the world. I want to be the best villain. I want to kill the Avengers. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's, I know what I need to do. It's for the greater good. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I just know what I think is right. 
So that's that's how I see it. No, I totally agree with you. That's a great observation because you know what? It's true when you think back on his history as a character. You know, he's always try- he was always trying to please someone. If it wasn't his dad, it was his mom. If it wasn't his mom, it was Thor, even if he wouldn't admit it. Or at mm-hmm. one point, it was Thanos that he was trying to impress. So, I mean, it, it, I think you're right. He is. He's finding that he only needs to please himself at this point. Like, he doesn't yeah. need to worry about other people. And he, he's found his glorious purpose, I think. I think that this show has really truly embodied what it means to have a glorious purpose because you know before loki was just this little side villain side character you know off going on thor's adventures or causing mischief but now i feel like as part of the tva as part of the show you know a protector of the sacred timeline you know he's he's in the thick of like what could potentially make or break the entire universe i feel like this has given him a really a big sense of purpose for sure more so than he's Absolutely. ever had also, he's spent so much time as a villain. What he's seeing, what he's done before, yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty bad stuff. But what he's seeing mm-hmm. that's being done, taking variants, killing all these timelines and killing all these people, he's like, oh, that's real evil. I wasn't a villain on that level. So yeah. we got to do something about that. this. This is too much for me. So I think it's, I really do think it's him finding himself because how long did he spend trying to prove that he's more than Thor's brother or Odin's son or the son that Odin never loved. Now it's, he's his own Mm -hmm. person. Even though he's met all his variants, he knows there's more of him. He's has, like you said, this confidence in him. And I love seeing it. We stan it. Yes, we do. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And just seeing Tom Hiddleston cook, like he did at the beginning of this episode, chasing X five and, you know, bringing us back to those more villainous tendencies of his and, you know, just like that more serious demeanor where he's like stalking his prey. I, I loved it. He brought such a great, he just brought such a great performance in this episode. Everybody brought their A-game. Like if any episode is going to win an Emmy for anything, it should be this one so far. I mean, it, it the acting was superb. I really enjoyed it. And like, it's so good. We haven't even seen Kang in Miss Minutes yet. That's the crazy thing because- I know. We, you would think that they would be the big ones, the most personality. We haven't even seen them. And we're all like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. That, that, I know. That's just astonishing to me. Yeah, it, it truly speaks to the quality of, of this show and just how beloved it is by fans. It's definitely well-deserved. And, you know, you're right. And you bring up another excellent point. I kind of like how they're starting off slow this season where it was like, Okay, last episode, they tease Sylvie. This episode, we get Sylvie. You know, this episode, they're teasing, you know, Ravona Renslayer. We're probably going to get Ravona and probably Miss Minutes next episode. Like, they're kind of building up slowly and bringing in those yeah. big characters that we really want to see. And they're giving us more to look forward to. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm digging it. I'm digging the delayed gratification with these, you know, character reveals. And I'm, I'm excited for more. Yeah, I like that they're actually, there's actually a, a clear path of what they're trying to do. Even if we don't understand it yet, you, mm-hmm. after every episode, you start to see it pieced together. I'm more worried that we're not going to see much of Kang. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, from what we've discussed in past episodes and what we've read, you know, as far as like theories and rumors and stuff, supposedly he's going to be coming a, a bigger presence in the series mm-hmm. over the next few episodes. So let's see. I mean, definitely it's going to be more than last season, I think. It's going to be definitely more than just the one appearance. Oh, God, um, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really excited. I I'm really too. excited for this. I, I just I just really hope they do a Deadpool tie-in at t- towards the end. Like, because they have to. They're going to be including this. Oh, I just, I hope so. 
I feel like they really don't have a choice because Miss Minutes is going to be in Deadpool. The TVA is going to be in mm-hmm. Deadpool. And if you saw some of the pictures, spoiler alert right now, if you did not see the Deadpool Wolverine pictures, they were definitely fighting mm-hmm. in the void. So yes, they have. there has to be something. Even if they don't say Deadpool or see Deadpool or say his name at all, I, they can't not do it. It makes no sense if they don't. Mm-hmm. And Deadpool's so much, I'm so, so close. So they have to. Yes, it's true. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I, they have to. I, I, I won't accept it if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a talk with Kevin. <laughs> yes, a stern one. <laughs> <laughs> So, as always, we have some of the Easter eggs you may or may not have noticed. Starting off, as Loki and Mobius are walked through the west end of London on their way to confront X5, Brad Wolf, they walk past some movie posters, including one for a Bollywood movie starring one of Kingo's quote unquote family members. Kumail Nunjiani, Eternal's hero, was last seen abandoning his station in the 2021 MCU event having explained that he covered his immortality with this prolific Bollywood career by claiming to be from a long line of identical actors who replaced each other every generation. This being 1977, the Kingo in the poster is probably Kingo's father. Quote, unquote. Yes. Okay. See, I, I did not notice that until the second time I watched because I always watch it the first time, and then when everyone in the house is asleep, I take out my little laptop and watch it the second time to write notes for this. And I saw yes. it, and I was like, son of a gun. They, hmm. God, it was so subtle. I really enjoyed it. It's so, true. And you know what's funny? I I had completely forgotten about this Easter egg. <laughs> I remember they it was leaked with like set um, images that were leaked. It was shown in the background. I remember seeing it, it, but then this time I watched the episode twice and I didn't catch it this time. So it's funny that I'm glad you, you caught it. Cause I completely forgot about it. Oh, well, dang. I didn't even know that was leaked. Well, whoever leaked it. Gotcha. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on right after the poster of Kingo, another poster is featured for a movie entitled, Phone Ranger. In the original comics, Phone Ranger is an incredibly obscure hero. Real name A.G. Bell, a riff off the inventor of the phone. Bell was a telephone repairman who discovered alien tech, giving him access to all communication devices across the world. I cannot take Mm. credit for this one. I found this one on Screen Rant because I did not know what this meant. Mm. So thank you, Screen Rant. That's so cool. Yeah. A.G. Bell, like Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the yeah. telephone. That's cool. Yeah, I like the. I like they're doing this. There's a few characters that are too. very, very small that they're giving light to, and I, I like when they do it. I know people will say, "Oh, I read the comics and they didn't have a big run. They weren't nothing," but like now they're something. You know? Yeah. It's, I like. I like it. Exactly, so, and they're just little background teases, so it's not like it's like make or break of the episode. I love when they do that too; it's wonderful. Yeah, and they did it with the spider uh, across the Spider Verse with the Spot, who wasn't anything. He's just mm-hmm. no, yes. nothing impressive, and now he's this incredible villain. So, hands up. 
During the Zaniac premiere, a reporter asks X5, Brad Wolf, about the rumors that he's dating a woman by the name of Bridget Bardot. In actual history, Bardot was a major French model, singer, and actress in the 1950s and 70s. So she was real. Mm. That was not a made-up name. I did not know that, and I was like, oh, alliteration to in her name. So clearly she is a Marvel character. No, she was real, and that's egg on my face. <laughs> so. In your defense, the alliteration does throw you off. It really does. All mm-hmm. right, moving on. When X5 tries to make a run for it after facing Loki and Mobius, the god of mischief displays a collection of classic powers. Loki's used in the past. This includes duplication casting, blasts of green magical energy, several illusions used to slow Brad Wolf down. However, Loki also uses his own shadows to hold X5 in place in an alleyway, a very impressive new ability that fits the God of Mischief quite well. I loved that power. I loved it so much. Me too. God, it was cool. Me too. Especially when the I, shadows got the horns. I was like, ah, oh, yes. Oh, my like, God. Uh, I thought, okay, I uh, thought we were going to, like, pan over to him and he would be in full costume. Oh. Yes. They, they got me cooking right there. I was like, this is it. Oh, my God. I, oh, They got me good. I'm not even mad he wasn't in full costume because he was in a tux and he looked so good. Yeah, he he did look good. He, he pulls <laughs> off, like, you know how people always make fun of those, like, 70s, like, men's dress shirts that have those, like, frilly, like, whatever this is called, like, at the front? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, from, yeah, like, the Harry frilly Potter collar. And yeah. stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. he fucking looked gorgeous in it, and I was like, uh-huh. damn, he's gonna bring this back. <laughs> it's like, I'm gonna be wearing one next Dude, year, watch. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, okay, when I saw him in it, I was like, that looks good, and I was like, oh no, he just set a trend. Oh, this is happening. I know. Yes, I thought the same. I thought the We're same. calling it right now. Next year, mm-hmm. this will be the look on the red carpet. I There's no way. He just looked too damn good. He did. He did. I would, <laughs> oh, my God. If, he if they would have had a red carpet for Loki, if the actor strike wasn't going on and he would have worn this, uh, it would have like solidified because like oh, it's too perfect. He looks so good in it, honestly. Um, but yes, I, next one of the next podcast episodes, don't be surprised if you see me wearing one of those ruffly collared <laughs> dress oh, shirts I, <laughs> instead of my be, green for Loki. You should be fancy Loki for Halloween. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. You look good. Oh, my God. That would be I, I've done Loki before. So I like I try to do like a new character every year. I've got I'm cooking this Halloween, guys. Megan and I are planning a juicy Halloween episode in costume. So yeah. stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's. Very different than you would assume. I can also only see that. <laughs> so definitely, at the, yeah. At the end of Loki season two, episode two, it's revealed that Sylvie held on to He Who Remains Talisman device after she killed him in the finale of Loki season one. It seems to be highly advanced version of the TVA standard issue temp pads, offering a variety of tools and temporal abilities. For those who were curious, what she was holding, it was that. Yeah. That was cool. I'm glad she stole it. I am too. That that just adds some flavor. <laughs> so just before Loki puts X5 inside the magic shrinking box, he does a dramatic show <laughs> of trying to start the thing up. But the mechanism for turning on this thing was pretty hilarious. He has to repeatedly pull a cord to crank the thing on like it's a crappy little gas lawnmower. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. It was, it, it's funny because it's like, 
the funny part about that whole thing really was the fact that he rolls in this big old like lawnmower looking <laughs> device. It's like this really crazy like analog looking thing. And then yeah. it does like the most high tech thing I've ever seen. On top of that, <laughs> like the actual device didn't have anything to do with like the box. Like it wasn't connected to the box, didn't come out of the machine. Yeah. Like it just kind of appears. So it's like, why so extra? Like who invented it's... this? OB, was it you? Why are you so extra? It was so, so excessive. And it, it cracked me up. because Yeah. I was like, you didn't even use that big thing. You just cracked up, cranked open on it. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing happened. You just needed the little uh, remote. And what? That was so <laughs> crazy. And they're like hooking up these like tubes to it and like all this I extra know. stuff. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, it didn't do anything. But Brad was still like, hey, 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 whoa, huh. you don't know what you're yeah, doing he was there. Scared. He was like, hey, man, look, mm -hmm. we we had some pretty we. We had a pretty rough time earlier. I was like, oh, Brad, you, you just did it. Oh, God, that was funny. Sorry I insulted your mom. I should have thought of that before. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, Loki's mom is just like, yeah, that's my boy. Mm-hmm. Right, is, is cheering from the heavens. But for real, yes. she's like, fuck around and find out with my son. <laughs> <laughs> so our last one. Sylvie goes back to Oklahoma at the end of the episode. Despite that being labeled a branch timeline, both earlier in this episode and last week, that seems important. Yeah. I thought for sure when they were oh. deleting timelines, I was like, oh, well, she's she's homeless now. But then she went back and I was like, wait a minute. What does this mean? Yeah. Like, it, it means something i'm telling y'all right now it, it was definitely interesting because she even said it she's like i'm gonna go home if i even still have one and but then like i guess like coincidentally her timeline happened the branch that she's going to happened to be the one that was spared um from from being pruned so i don't know that was that was kind of a, like an interesting coincidence because of all the branch timelines they were throwing bombs like hers was the one that got to survive and um uh... X5 made such a big deal about it. He's like, we got to go right now. That entire time. Yeah. And then hers is the one that, mm, I smell shenanigans. Mm -hmm. so. It's true. Something weird about that. So Max, you actually have an Easter egg for us. I'm interested. Yes. So um, I didn't share this with Megan. This is something that I came up with when I rewatched it the second time because I was like looking for little little details and clues to share with you guys, obviously. Mm -hmm. And there was one thing that I noticed that was very interesting. And it, it comes when Loki first approaches Sylvie at McDonald's. She's working. She's wearing one earring. The earring is of the, the Egyptian symbol. It's called an Ankh symbol, and it's in her left ear. And the Ankh symbol means key of life. Or, or it also could mean life or the denial the of life or something like that. But it, 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 the popular um, translation is key of life. Um, and basically huh. it looks like a cross, but like has a little circle on the top. It's like a really common yeah. Egyptian symbol. Like I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. But the reason why I found this so interesting was because she was only wearing the one earring. She was not wearing it in the other ear. And she was, it was prominently like displayed. And I'm thinking to myself, what what could this mean? And the Ankh symbol means key of life. Could this indicate that she was the key to free will and life unplanned on the sacred timeline? Could she? Could that be like what that means? Oh, you cook. I, I baby, I cooked this episode. <laughs> I got my chef hat on and I flambéed, sorbéed, and made it happen. But 
I just found this so interesting because the Egyptian symbol could also tie into Ramatut, a Kang variant. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some, some, something's there. Something's there. So we had two. Okay. One, one Easter egg was straight from Moon Knight. The second one mm-hmm. is Egyptian. So. what? Yeah. Okay. So Marvel says nothing about Moon Knight. Leaves us hanging for this long oh. to drop two at a in two episodes. Marvel, yeah. I don't do this to me. Moon Knight is my everything. No. God, I love Moon Knight. I do. He's one of my favorites. Um, and I just I hope that that, that might like, that actually means something. I mean, it could have just been an earring, right? Like anything, any Easter egg we find could just be the Easter egg, right? It doesn't have to mean anything for the future. They know what they're doing. But this. This, it, like, right? Like, it stuck out to me. And I, when I noticed it, I was like, what earring is she wearing? She's only wearing one. That's so weird. See, and then I, I was just like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I can picture it in my head because I noticed the earring. And I was like, that must have been just the style then. It must have been a thing. Like, when skulls were a big thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it meant anything. Hats off to you. I'm proud of you. That was really good. Thank, thank you. Oh, thank you. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it's nothing. Yeah. Maybe it's something. So, in our just Facebook saying. group. Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped. We grabbed some comments from our Loki Episode 2 discussion thread from our amazing members, as usual. That usual that they're amazing. Ira says, of course. we're only in second episode and it is already epic. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Right? Same. Right? It's not like Secret Invasion. Same. Where we're like, we're, like, it's not like we're like, oh, something crazy is going to happen in the next episode then. This is like, that episode was amazing. The last episode was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I feel good about it. Me too. Me too. I do, definitely. It's, it's definitely very positive the way the show is going. Certainly better than Secret Invasion. So I'm, I'm really, really yeah. optimistic it's going to be satisfactory. Absolutely. Uh, so our next amazing member, Gabe, says... Haven't watched the new episode yet, but after last week, I'm convinced the writers of Loki need to be the writers of Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. They so far, Kang has felt more like a threat in the first episode of the season, and he wasn't even in the episode. And it's the only MCU project with a consistent multiverse rules. Oh, he's right. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good observations, Gabe, and he's he's so right. I think that Loki is kind of like the vehicle they're using to teach the audience about the multiverse. They're using For this sure. as a way to uh, teach us and like condition us as to how the multiverse rules work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's so right. Kang hasn't even appeared yet, and he's become so scary, especially when you think about how like all these TBA agents and people are now realizing their variants were kidnapped from their lives and forced to like brainwash and forced to work at this like crazy place. So it's just like he's he's just a mastermind in like the worst way. So <laughs> it's true. That was that was a really good observation, uh, Gabe. I really enjoyed that. Michael says I shouldn't have watched the second episode immediately as it aired, and when I asked why, he said, "Now I gotta wait a whole week for the next episode." Felt I feel that in my soul. <sighs> I get it. Valid. It is. Ah. Uh, because as soon as the episode's over, you're like, now what? Gotta wait seven days now? I know. <laughs> like six I days know. and 23 hours? Especially, 
Exactly. <laughs> and no post-credit scene, no mid-credit scene. Like it was, yeah, it, it's it, the, the seven days is, is rough. And I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is. But that just kind of shows you how good the show is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because other shows, I was like, all right, oh, yeah, that's tonight. I forgot. This one, I'm like, okay, this is it. I, I had a countdown going I know. and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting because it's like, oh, my God, it's Loki day. It's Thursday. Like, it's coming out tonight. Like, I'm so excited. Nine o'clock, I'm counting down. Yeah, like, I feel you. It, it's, it's, it becomes, like, more of, like, an event, I guess, weekly, too. So, it, like, I, I've always said, like, if you ever listen to our podcast when I've talked about this, like, I, I like the weekly release, but it's, like, a love-hate relationship because, like, I like the event that it makes waiting every week for it. I like, you know, having something to look forward to for a prolonged period of time. But then it's just like, oh, you got to wait. And there's just that, that bitter part that after, after the episode high wears off, you're just like, oh, seven more days. I know. <laughs> but then, like, they, for us in our time zone, it releases at nine o'clock at night. So they release it. You watch it. You're hyped. And you're like, now what? I'm not sleeping. <laughs> what do I do? I know. So just watch it again. It's true. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> exactly. Watch another five times. So thank you to all the members for your wonderful comments. If you ever have a comment you want to hear on the podcast, just let us know. Yeah, exactly. We're always looking for member feedback. We always have posts in our Facebook group, Mediaverse Comics and Rap Prompting. And who knows, maybe your comment will be read live on air with us. So, moving on to our next big topic of today's episode, let's dive into what happened exactly with Secret Invasion, something Megan and I thought we would never find out the real answer to. Um, <laughs> we all saw Secret Invasion, and we all have very different opinions on it. Some loved it, some thought it was just okay, but quite a few hated it, including myself. Uh, and me where exactly did it all yes and megan too where exactly <laughs> did it all go wrong we may finally have an answer so per a big article released just the other day from the hollywood reporter a lot of drama went on behind the scenes during production it all started with kyle bradstreet a writer and executive producer emmy winner for his work on mr robot uh, had been writing and working on the script for secret invasion for a year when marvel fired him and said they're going in a different direction that definitely isn't the way you want to start when creating a new show yeah so enter new writer brian tucker who penned the crime thriller broken city thomas bazucha who helmed the thriller let him go and ali salim who worked on Hulu's 9-11 drama, The Looming Tower, all recruited on board as directors, recruited to help crack the story. So I guess whatever was going on, they didn't like it. They wanted fresh take on what they were trying to do. Then, as The Hollywood Reporter puts it, so far, so normal, at least by Marvel's creative development standards. Details are murky, but what happened next in the summer of 2022 debilitated the production as factions became entrenched and leaders vied for supremacy during Secret Invasion's pre-production in London. God, how dramatic. <laughs> it was so dramatic. I had to use that quote. Oh my God. It, it's, yeah, that was, a, that was a juicy quote. Yeah. Uh, it was weeks of people not getting along and it erupted, says an insider. Marvel declined to directly comment on the matter. Like, oof. Me too. I wouldn't have said anything either. 
it's, it sounds like a, like they're like th- overthrowing the government or something. Like it's pretty, pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but by early September, a good portion of the secret invasion team had been replaced with new line producers, unit production managers, and assistant directors. And Bazucha, who was supposed to direct three episodes, left the show because of new scheduling conflicts because it was taking so mm. long to make. The Marvel executive overseeing the show, Chris Gary, was reassigned and, according to the Hollywood Reporter sources, is expected to depart Marvel when his contract is up at the end of the year. Ouch. It seems with all this happening, Marvel is moving to make changes for how they create the shows. One change is that they'll actually hire showrunners now. It's a term we've not only grown comfortable with, but also learned to embrace, says Brad Winderbaum, Marvel's head of streaming, television, and animation of showrunners and Marvel TV's intention to hire them. The studio also plans on having full-time TV execs rather than having executives straddle both television and film. We need executives that are dedicated to this medium and are going to focus on streaming, focus on television, says Winderbaum, because they are two different forms. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Yeah, same. It also is revamping its development process. Showrunners will write pilots and show Bibles. The days of Marvel shooting an entire series from She-Hulk to Secret Invasion, then looking at what's working and what's not, are done. The studio also plans on leaning into the idea of multi-season serialized TV, stepping away from the limited series format that has defined it. Marvel wants to create shows that run several seasons where characters can take time to develop relationships with the audience rather than feeling as if they are there as a setup for a big crossover events just reading all this it just seems like marvel's doing a total 180 on their whole process when it comes to tv thank god you mean to tell me they didn't have showrunners or the bible or anything like that that's insane to me these are the same people that made wandavision and moon knight and the first loki how did they do that without that that's crazy to me but i'm glad it's nice to see that they're actually making these huge changes. Yeah, I agree. I, I really respect the fact that Marvel saw what wasn't working, realized they were you know, making mistakes with how they were doing things. The audiences weren't reacting to the, the series as they thought they would. And now they're, they're doing something about it, which I love. And it's something that Marvel has always done. They've always, you know, if something doesn't work, they always go back to the drawing board and figure out how to fix it and they make it better. Um, it's been, you know, like that since the beginning. They've had a, quite a few stumbles, you know, with the with this recent saga that they've started. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed the Marvel TV series, except for Secret Invasion. That one really burned Megan and I. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I was really surprised at not having a show Bible, for sure. Like, not having, like, a consistent, like, plan for the show. That, to me, it seems like something that would be a no-brainer in the MCU, considering that that's, I think, what they've done all this time with their films. Um, they've always had like you know consistency, a plan, a strategy, an organized way of you know executing these things. So they they stay on top of the continuity, they stay on top of you know what they need to. And I really didn't think that they weren't doing that. But seeing how Secret Invasion turned out, it made me a believer. That's for sure. Listen, listen, Marvel, we have a show bible for every podcast episode. I'm just saying. So. Yeah, we do. It's true. We do. <laughs> kind of awkward. <laughs> <Good God. laughs> well 
The first show to start with these changes is none other than Daredevil Born Again. You may have heard the news recently, but it was also reported by The Hollywood Reporter on October 11th that Marvel has fired the writers and directors of Born Again <laughs> due to the fact that Marvel execs and Kevin Feige weren't pleased with what they saw when they watched the episodes that were already filmed. Ouch. Yeah. Um, the writers were fired in late September, which aligned with when the strikes ended. This also makes sense in regards to the copyright filing that was done by Marvel for Daredevil Born Again and why we didn't see a first episode synopsis and also why there was the release date change. Sources, sources say that the writers crafted a legal procedural that did not resemble the Netflix version known for its action and violence. Cox didn't even show up in costume until the fourth episode. Yeah. I just know people would have ripped it apart just for uh, that alone. Marvel would have been done. Ugh. Yeah, it would have been messy. I would have been Marvel, done too. Marvel, after but... greenlighting the... Con yeah, it would have been yeah. a lot. Yeah. Marvel, after greenlighting the concept, found itself needing to rethink the original intention of the show. Other rumors that haven't been confirmed say that Karen was never mentioned in the show and that Matt Murdock, Daredevil, was mourning Foggy's death at the hands of Wilson, Wilson Fisk in the show. Marvel plans to keep some scenes and episodes through though other serialized elements will be injected, with Matt Corman and Chris Ord, the original writers that were let go, hired back on as executive producers for the two-season series. Wow, that's really surprising. Was I the only one that didn't know that it was two seasons? You know what, though? I feel like they haven't officially addressed this. They just announced that it's going to be an 18-episode show, and they never said how they're going to break it up. I think people are just True. assuming it's going to end up being two seasons. Part but one who knows, you know? Right. I can imagine that being the most logical thing. So I'm really happy they did this. I'm happy they sat down and watched it and said, yeah. okay, no, this isn't what we're going to do. And I'm glad they're mm -hmm. putting all this effort into it. I want to make it very frank that no one's happy that someone lost their job over this. But what yeah. we're happy about is that we're, Marvel is seeing something wrong and willing to put in that extra work to make it work. So... Yeah. And more stuff has been coming out about it. You don't really know what to believe. What we know mm -hmm. for sure is that it was more of a lawyering show, not action. That Daredevil yeah. was mourning death of Foggy and that he it made him want to put up the put up the suit and not be Daredevil anymore. And it's like, how are you gonna make Daredevil born again and not have him as Daredevil for a fraction of the show? Great point. Like, born like, again to what? Not shooting up for four episodes? <laughs> like, I was mad that's when not... I read it. I was like, how dare you? What if they didn't view it? You know? like, And that's what we were given? Oh, and, like, do you understand that if it's just a lawyering show, what would the Punisher and Fisk be doing? Not a damn thing. They're confirmed to be in the show. What yeah. was their role in the show then? So, yeah. That I, I, agree. I had feelings about this, and I'm I'm really happy to see that they're just revamping the whole thing because that that's that takes a big person yeah. to do it and to have it released like people found out. I think it's a really good thing. I think so too. I think this is very positive news. I think that Daredevil, there's a lot of there's a lot of writing on Daredevil, especially for Disney Plus and for Marvel TV series as a whole. Um, I think that 
you know, Daredevil is such a highly anticipated project, such a popular character. The Netflix iteration was so well received, so beloved by fans. Charlie Cox is back. Like, if they had messed this up, it would have been oh. very disastrous. Very <laughs> disastrous. Um, like, it's, it's, it just seems like they're going all in on including Daredevil in the MCU moving forward. I've seen Daredevil's logo appearing in lots of marketing materials for upcoming MCU-related projects and, you know, like, rides at Disneyland. And, like, at the Rogers the Musical, Daredevil's logo yeah. is flashed up on the screen at one point. Like, they're really injecting Daredevil in and they're going to make him a bigger character. So this show has to work. It has to. It has to. Um, I'm really excited to hear that they're retooling. And you're introducing the Punisher into the MCU. They know how important that is because that show, it was still like fans fought for that show. And everyone wanted it. Everyone fought for yeah, it was really good. John Bernthal to come back. Everyone fought for Charlie Cox to come oh, back. Yes. So they know what will happen if they mess this up. They're, they cannot afford it. I'm sorry, but I love them, no. and I will stick with them, and I am sick of sticking up for them when they make stupid decisions. I am over it. So yeah. do this correctly for me, Kev. Come on, for me. Yes, yes, Kevin. We believe in you. We're glad that you're, you're finally realizing and you're, you're taking you know, a step in the right direction. And we're, we're very proud of Marvel for doing this. Awesome. <laughs> well, because I think there was a, at a point there was he gave too much creative freedom to directors and writers. Love and Thunder, looking at you. That I think Ugh. during the strikes, he was like, okay, something's not working. And, you know, you have Bob Iger yelling at him for how Secret Invasion did. So I think he really like sat back and looked and said, what do I need to do? So this, this feels, yeah, this is good stuff. I think so. Definitely. Yes. So moving on to a shout out <laughs> that cracked me up today. <laughs> in reference to our last episode, when we spilled the tea about Werewolf by Night in concert, we received a message from Sean about it. He says, just listen to your recap of Loki episode one. Marvel picked Minnesota for Werewolf by Night concert strictly because they know I'm the number one Marvel fan in all of America. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, lucky you, Sean. Lucky you. First, first I would have gone Sean, if it was here. Absolutely. First of all, Sean, mm -hmm. thank you for listening. Second of all, thank you for thank thinking you. of writing us. And thank you for letting us say this on the podcast. Like we said earlier, if you guys have any comments about past episodes, we're more than willing to read them out as long as, you know, they're nice. But and that's just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we talked about BDE earlier. We're flexible and appropriate. We're flexible. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Very. So thank you, Sean. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. <laughs>
I didn't see this. He responded to a tweet where someone made a snide comment with every cool project I've been involved with has evolved constantly during pre-production, production and post. It's just reported on these days as if it's big news. It's not. It's simply a bunch of creatives doing their best to get it right. It's a con- constant in this business. I wouldn't have it any other way. Frankly, I'd be worried if we were settling for less. I, when he said it, I read it in King's Pin's voice and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> And then the the person so that evil. he was, the person that he was responding to, said, "Oh, you're right. I'm sorry." <laughs> so they heard it in Aww. King Qu- Kingpin's voice too. Good troll. <laughs> so, a brand new copyright filing has been filed for Ironheart, and the cast list is very telling. Sasha Baron Cohen is on the cast list as Mystery Man. Which is very interesting as the rumors of him playing Mephisto have been rampant. And I looked it up. There's mystery there's mystery men in Marvel, not mystery man. Ooh. So yeah, it's definitely like they're trying to hide the fact that it's 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 like gonna be Mephisto. I'm like I'm I'm sure of it. He he would be a really good Mephisto too. He's a great character actor and he knows how to pull out that like crazy so I think it's gonna be really good. I think he's going to do really well too. Don't judge him just on Borat. He does a lot. He's done a lot more. He has range. Yeah. He does. So. I mean even so like if you if you've ever seen him in Borat um and then compared like to seeing him like on a red carpet like you can tell he's a fabulous actor just because like Borat yeah. is such a crazy character and he pulls it off so well. I know I don't have the balls to try even attempt to pull off a character like Borat. So you got to think like Me he either. goes all in. He does. So moving on, Matt Shackman, the director for the new Fantastic Four, gives a tease about what we will see in the movie in an interview with Collider. He goes on to say, it's different in so many ways. I wish I could be specific. I wish I could say more. But we are doing things very differently from a story standpoint, from an approach to the filmmaking standpoint that really fits the material. I wish I could say more. I would love to, but I can't. But I think it's going to be unlike anything you've seen before and certainly unlike anything at Marvel that you've seen before. Man, all the directors say that. They just said that about the Marvels. Yeah, they said that <laughs> they about do. Secret Invasion. They said about everything. I mean, but I like I like this director, so I'm like, I'll listen to you. You're right this time. Yeah, I mean, Matt Shackman was one of the people who brought us WandaVision, and WandaVision was obviously so incredible and so well yeah. done. Um, yeah. I definitely trust him with Fantastic Four, and I'm I'm very excited to see like what he brings to it. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. I trust him too. Loki season two writer was prevented by Marvel from using certain characters that'll be used in the future of the MCU. Eric Martin, Loki's writer said, we're fortunate that we really have our own little sandbox here where we're able to be really creative and branch off into other directions without stepping on other projects. And some of that's by design. While some of that is just what we found along the way in terms of actual marching orders, there have been certain points where it's like, oh, you know what? This character is being used by another project and you just have to pivot. But in terms of our drama and our Mm -hmm. story and where we're taking our character, it really is just following them and their needs and proving them on the page. And if we can prove that when nobody steps in and says you need to do something different. But like, who's the character? Just tell us who the character was. I know. Tell us who it was. Like, tell us now. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, you can't tease us like this. That was just kind of rude. Yeah. You know what you know what you're doing, and I don't appreciate it. At all. <laughs> this is gonna be one of those that keeps me up at night. Because I'm like, who was supposed to be in it? Is it Deadpool? I know, I, know. I guess. I want Deadpool in everything. That's just my selfish thing, though. Dude, same. I get it. <laughs> and that's a wrap on Mediaverse Unwrapped. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, you can follow me everywhere at His Name is Max. And you can follow me on Twitter at Megan the Gangsta. Join our non-toxic Facebook group, Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped. Follow our public Facebook page, Mediaverse Plus. Follow us everywhere at Mediaverse CU. Our new episodes premiere Tuesdays everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Thanks for tuning in and goodbye for now. I am off to bathe in key lime pie. But like... You have fun with that. <laughs> but like the, that, the pie looks so sturdy and low-key though. That's gonna hurt. I'm sure you'll find a way. <laughs> yeah, I'll be okay. <laughs>